0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, it's good to see you. turn your name and say you look really good today. I want to welcome uh, Mary and Alan back from Africa. They've been in Africa for a couple of weeks, uh, doing mission work over there. And we're really glad that you're here today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing grace, your love, your compassion. And Lord, thank you for all of us here gathered in your name to celebrate the most wonderful event the resurrection and lord we give you praise today in jesus name amen you may be seated turn name your neighbor so i'm glad you're here today amen. how many of you would rather be here than the best hospital in town Well, Christmas brought us the promise of eternal life, and Easter brought us the proof of eternal life. The virgin's womb and the empty tomb are both pillars of our faith. Uh, Let me give you a verse, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Jesus is trying to share with his disciples what's going to happen to him. And how many of you think that sometimes the disciples were kind of like us? That you hear it, but you don't get it? Listen, Jesus began to show them, his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Now today we believe in the resurrection, but I'm going to tell you we're in a different time today. How many of you know Christianity is in a different chapter, in a different time? I like to say everything is getting better, but sometimes there are some major challenges. The BBC just did a survey they in Great Britain and the United Kingdom, and they surveyed many thousands of Christians. This is this year, and only 46% of those Christians believe that Jesus physically died and rose again, as the Bible said. Now, I want to tell you, that's a tragedy, because the resurrection verifies... Validates your faith without a resurrection the other things although they may be wonderful and sacrificial they did not complete the very act of your salvation I'll tell you why because until death was defeated then we did not know that the power of sin that brought death was abolished now Jesus here with this group You know that he had Passover meal with them, and then they went out to the garden. Of course, Judas is going to betray Jesus, and there in the garden, Jesus is wanting them to pray with him, and obviously they went to sleep. How many of you ever went to sleep while you're praying? I mean, I have, so let's not be too hard on those guys. And so that night, the uh, torches and the guard and the crowd came, and they're going to arrest Jesus. And many of you know this, and I've preached on it many, many times, and I think it's important to, to note it. When, when they got there, Jesus asked them a question. He said, who are you looking for? Who do you seek? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. We're looking for Jesus. And, of course, Judas identified him by a kiss. Jesus said, do you betray him with a kiss, friend? And so Jesus said just two little words. Now, in your Bible, it says, I am he, but the he's italicized, meaning it's an insertion. And what Jesus said was, I am. And when he said, I am, everyone fell on the ground backwards. Now, why is that significant? He took the name of God out of the burning bush of Moses, and he applied it to himself, and he says, I am. And when everyone fell over backwards, this is what he was saying without saying it. There's no way you could arrest me unless I allow it. I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes my life. I give it. So he's saying, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to give my life, but you're not taking it from me. I'm going to lay it down for the sheep. So that night they arrested him. They took him to the house of, of Annas, which is the, the high priest's uh, father-in-law, then to Caiaphas, and then to, Pilate, then to Herod, then back to Pilate. So that night was very intense, and, and Jesus is going through the, this trial. And the disciples are struggling through all this. Do you know the Bible says that Peter uh, followed afar off? And the further you follow Jesus, the more it gets in between you and Jesus. And some of you may have to think about that, but, you know, we have to be close to Jesus because the more that we get in between us and Jesus, it's a little hard to follow. Now, Paul addresses this area of, of resurrection, and in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, if there's no resurrection, he said, then our gospel is really in vain. You know, our, our, our faith is in vain, and he says, you're still in your sins if there's no resurrection. Now, he, he picks this up. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to give you just eight verses today. He begins to tell this church about what they're believing. He said, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which you are also saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain alive, or they're here to this present uh, day, but some have fallen asleep or some have died. After that, he was seen by James, then all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also as of one born out of due time. So this morning, I want to give you just five proofs. If you have a pencil and paper, you might want to write it down. The veracity of the resurrection or why we believe in the resurrection. And I want to tell you, the, the, the evidence of Jesus' resurrection rates right up there that you know there was a Julius Caesar and an Alexander the Great. Now, you're not going to be taught that in school, but I'm going to tell you, The documents and the witnesses and the evidence that Jesus lived, died, and rose again is right up there with Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great. So if you believe in those two, you need to believe in Jesus. If you're here today and say, I don't believe in Jesus, then throw out Julius Caesar, throw out Alexander the Great. Okay, just a thought. Now. When Paul says this, he says that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scripture. Say that with me. According to the Scripture. He said also he was buried, he rose the third day according to the Scriptures. Now the first thing that Paul does, he says, let me tell you why the resurrection is true. Why Jesus lived, died, resurrected. He said because of the Scripture. That's the first thing he deals with now let me ask you a question this is very pertinent how many of you could predict before you were born or someone else could predict where you were going to be born who's your parents your genealogy before ancestry.com and 23andme okay how many going to help me preach this morning who your parents are going to be, what their genealogy is, where they come from, where you're going to go on a trip as a child, how you're going to die, who's going to betray you, the price is going to be given in that betrayal, the two people who are going to be on each side of you when you die, they're going to gamble for your clothes, where you're going to be buried, and let's top this off, this was given 700 years before he was born. How many of you know you got the right one, baby? So this is what Paul is saying. According to the scripture, he was crucified, he died, according to the scripture. He rose again, according to the scripture. So the scripture gives us the veracity of the death, of the burial, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the second thing he said is the eyewitnesses. The eyewitnesses. Now we have a lot of lawyers in our church and let me tell you, eyewitnesses are a good thing if they're telling the truth. So he says that there were many witnesses there. Paul said he was seen by Peter, he was seen by the twelve, he was seen by 500 people at one time, he was seen by the apostle Paul. Now folks, what Paul does, he says these 500 people that saw him, most of them are alive today, you could go ask them. I did this in the first service this morning. How many of you, and let's participate, how many of you were alive and, and, and you remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Okay. Now, there's a lot of hands that are not going up because you are young, and that is a blessing. But if you didn't believe that JFK lived and was assassinated, then you could go to someone who raised their hands, and guess what they're going to tell you? I I saw it on the news, it was in the newspaper, I I saw the the funeral there in Washington, Uh, I've been to Arlington National Cemetery, I've seen the grave, I've seen the eternal flame. So you could actually go to someone and say do you remember, is it true that Kennedy was assassinated, give me the details, tell me what you remember. And, And I can remember those things. Now what Paul is doing, he's making the same case. He said there were people there, they saw it, they watched it, Jesus appeared to them after his death, after his burial, after his resurrection. If you don't believe me go ask them because they're still here today. You have someone to go ask. And so he says there were witnesses. Now this is interesting he said he was seen by James you see that? James is the half brother of Jesus and it appears from scripture that James really didn't buy in to his brother until after the resurrection. Case in point how many of you could convince your siblings that you're God? <laughs> Y'all are so holy. It, it would be like me. Steve, sitting you know, over here to my right, going to Steve and saying, Steve, I am the Son of God. I am divine. I am God in the flesh. You know what Steve would say? Me no think so. I grew up with you. I know all the things you've done. I know your, your bad habits. I know your sins. I know all the things you've done. So you're not going to convince me that you are God in the flesh. You're not going to convince me that you're the son of God. But James is convinced that his half-brother, born of the virgin, is the son of God who is God in the flesh. He is deity. He's actually divine. And when he writes his letter, let me tell you what James does. He doesn't say, hey, let me write something to you. I'm the half-brother of Jesus. You know what he says? I am the servant of Jesus Christ you know why he says the veracity the proof I can tell you first hand experience my brother that I live with my older brother he did the miracles I was at the marriage of Canaan he was crucified they buried him I saw him after the resurrection I'm telling you that he is who he says he is let me tell you people are celebrating that all the world today and we're celebrating that today the eyewitnesses celebrate that Let me give you another one. Here's number three. The martyrdom of the apostles celebrate that and verify that. Most of you know Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. He said, don't crucify me like my Savior, turn me upside down. And guess what they did? Paul was beheaded in Rome. Uh, James, the brother of uh, John, son of Zebedee, he was uh, killed by the sword by Herod Agrippa. That's found in your Bible in Acts chapter 12. And then Andrew, we think, was crucified in Greece on an X-shaped cross. That's why we call it the cross of Andrew, if you see that X. Thomas was pierced through with lances and spears by soldiers in India. Matthew was possibly stabbed to death in Ethiopia. James, the son of Alphaeus, is stoned and clubbed to death. Simon, the zealot, is thought to have been killed in Persia when he refused to sacrifice to their sun god. Matthias who replaced Judas tradition has it he was burned to death in Syria Jude or Thaddeus is believed to have been martyred in Persia by arrows Philip is believed to have died in Turkey by hanging Bartholomew is said to have died in India by being flayed alive and then John is the only apostle that lived his full life until he died a natural death listen guys if if this is not true If this wasn't real, I'm not dying for a lie, are you? But every one of those apostles, except one, died a martyr's death because they would not say this did not happen. Every one of them saw it, they believed it, they embraced it, and they were willing to die. You know why? They knew they would be (laughs) resurrected from the dead because Jesus was resurrected. So question... Would you die for a lie? I wouldn't. I would not die for a lie. But every one of those men died because they knew what they knew. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Here's the fourth thing. The empty tomb. The empty tomb tells us that this is true. You know how you would stop all this? Produce the body. Produce the body, it goes away. The Romans couldn't produce it. The Jews couldn't produce it. You know why? There was no body there. Some of us have been in that tomb. I'm going to tell you, there's no body there. So they could have stopped this resurrection event story, this gospel, if they would have just produced a body. So the tomb is guarded by soldiers. Pilate has sealed that tomb with his official seal. There's a massive stone that's been rolled over that grave. But guess what? The angel came down, rolled it away, and said, He's not here. You're looking for somebody who is dead, but he's alive now. I'm going to tell you, that's our hope. So the, the empty tomb proves that Jesus is risen from the dead. Let me give you one last one. Here's the fifth one. Changed lives tell us that Jesus is alive. Now, I know your life, my life, if, if your life hasn't been changed by Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. If you believe in him, it can be changed today. Amen. But the changed lives that I want to talk about are really the ones we've been discussing to this uh, point so far. And I want to talk about just a couple here. Well, we we talked about deniers, doubters, deserters. And let's put it in reverse. Let's talk about the deserters first. Matthew 26, 31. Jesus said to them, everybody say them the them as the disciples all of you will be offended or you'll fall away because of me this night for it is written I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered do you know when they came to arrest Jesus and they took him to trial everybody ran away that they fled fulfilling the scripture smite the shepherd sheep scatter now the only one that we really know that that followed we think maybe John did and Peter did but guess what the Bible says they followed afar off they weren't, don't want to get too close. You know why? They thought they might be next. They thought that they would arrest them, kill them. So now, these disciples that have followed him, they're deserting him. No one really stood with him. Matter of fact, how would you think alone that Jesus felt? How alone would he feel? And so they deserted him. Now, the next, uh, the next group here, we're talking about the doubters. Now, the greatest doubter that you know in Scripture, and we've given him this name, Doubting Okay, help me out here. Doubting Thomas. So we've put this label on him, Doubting Thomas. Whether it's a good label or not, that's what he got. Now, when you think about Thomas, you think about Doubting Thomas. Sometimes I do too. I want to give you about the three times that, that Thomas actually speaks in Scripture. He doesn't speak much, But here's the three times. The first one is when Jesus said, John 11, 16, he he called the twin, Thomas, and and the rest of the disciples, and he says, let's go back to Jerusalem. I need to go back there. And the Bible says Jesus set his face like a flint to go back there. Now, this is what the disciples said. Jesus, if you go back there, they're going to kill you. How many of you know Jesus knew that? If you go back there, they're going to kill you. Now, I want you to pick up the little bit of sarcasm and the emotion in Thomas's voice. Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may all just die with him. You, you, you feel a little the frustration? Jesus said, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. And Thomas said, well, let's all go. We'll all just die. I, I kind of think that that was the body language. We're just all going to die. So that, that's the first time he, he speaks here. And then in John chapter 16, and you'll remember this, it is the chapter that says, You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my father's house are many mansions. If we not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for me, uh, for you, that where I am, you may be also. And then Thomas said, I'm not for sure if we know the way. And that's when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, In the life, no one comes to the Father except by me or through me. So Thomas, he says, Lord, I don't know if we really know the way. So Jesus is saying, I am the way. Now, the last time he speaks is in John 20. And this is after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus appears to the disciples, the apostles, and guess who's not there the first time? Thomas is absent. I don't know where he's at. He's at Chick-fil-A or somewhere. So so he's absent. Jesus appears. He greets the apostles. And when he comes back with his takeout order, uh, they said, hey, Jesus is alive. We've seen him. You know what Thomas said? He says, I will not believe until I take my thumb or my hand and put in the nail prints of his hand, and take my hand and put in the wound in his side. Now, remember, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. It's finished. The work of redemption's finished. And the centurion to make sure that Jesus is dead took a lance and took it and ran it through the side of Jesus. Most scholars believe that they pierced his heart. I believe because our sin, his heart was already pierced, don't you? Broken hearted. But they believe that that lance went through the side of Jesus, penetrated his heart, and the blood and the water flowed out of his body. And that's where the wound in the side came from. Now, Thomas is a doubter. He says, I don't know. I saw him dead on that cross. They buried him. I know what you're saying, but until I get some more proof, I'm not believing this. And then Jesus appears again, and Thomas had to be there. And when Jesus appeared, the first thing he did, he said, Thomas, come here. Take your, how many of you know Jesus knows what you're saying, even if you don't see him? Okay, here's the good news. Jesus knows what you're saying even if he's not there. Or you think he's not there. Here's the bad news. Jesus knows what you're saying even though you don't think he's there. Thomas, come here. Take your hands. Feel of the wounds in my hand. And take your hand and slide it in to my side. You know what Thomas said? Here's the third time we hear him speak. He fell on his knees and he said, My Lord and my God the doubter that we call him really became a believer the deserters eventually came back but there was a denier who remembers who the denier was the denier was Peter so Peter he's always saying stuff that probably he shouldn't be saying but we we do know he said some things he should be saying Remember when Jesus said, who who do you say that I am? Or who, who are people saying I am? Some say you're Elias. Some say John the Baptist. Some say one of the prophets. Well, who do you say I am? Peter. He spoke up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood is not revealed to you, this to you, my Father in heaven. You've had some supernatural revelation. But do you know in just a few verses later when Jesus began to say, I'm going to die, I'm going to go to the cross, they're going to kill me. And Peter pipes up and he says, no, you're not doing that. And that's when the Lord said, Peter, and he doesn't address him as Peter. He said, Satan, get get thee behind me. How do you know sometimes we can be used by God and sometimes we lean the other direction every once in a while? Okay, you don't have to say man, but it's true. Maybe your neighbor does that. You don't do that. But anyway, I'm just telling you, Peter is always saying stuff. Now we're at the Last Supper and Jesus is trying to affirm to them, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. They're going to take me to the cross. They're, they're going to crucify me. And you are going to be scattered and you will not stay with me. And Peter... And Peter indicts the rest of them. Watch this. Peter goes up to Jesus and he said, hey, they may do that. I'd never do that. Matthew may do that. John may do that. James may do that. Thaddeus may do that. But Jesus, I'd never do that. And Jesus so lovingly, so gracefully, he says, Peter, before this night's over, You're going to deny me three times, and the rooster's going to crow. And Peter couldn't get that in his mind. There's no way I would deny you. They may do it. I would never do that. But how many of you know, never say never. And that night, when they arrested Jesus, they took him to uh, Caiaphas' place, and then they took him to Annas' place. And Peter's following afar off. And guess what happens at every stop throughout this whole, this story? At at Annas and Caiaphas and Pilate's and Herod's, they're abusing Jesus. They're mocking him. They're beating him. They're whipping him. Matter of fact, they blindfolded him. They begin to strike him. And they said, prophesy, tell us who hit you. Blood, picture in your mind, blood coming out of his nose, his mouth, his lips busted, maybe out of his ears, his eyes are blackened. And Peter is there and he's thinking, man, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have this happen to me. So Peter, he's afar off, he, he keeps his distance, and there's a young lady there who says, Hey, aren't you one of his disciples? Peter said, Absolutely not. A little bit later, someone else says, Hey, I think I've seen you with Jesus. You're, you're one of the disciples. And the Bible says that he made an oath, or he, he just emphatically said, I don't know him. And then at the end, that third denial, someone says, Hey, you talk like a Galilean. You, you talk like that group of disciples that come up from Galilee. Now, let me tell you a little story. Back when I was uh, in high school, I went on wheat harvest. And I just got my driver's license. This is the end of the 60s. And we didn't have any McDonald's in this area at this time. Can anybody remember when Duncan didn't have a McDonald's? You're old. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, there wasn't one anywhere in this area here. And, you know, being a, you know, country boy, we we never really got to go to McDonald's. The first McDonald's I remember ever going to was in Denver, Colorado on Wheat Harvest. So we're in Denver, and I think, man, they have a McDonald's in Denver. What a thought. So I went to McDonald's. I remember what I ordered a Big Mac. Because you see it on television, just wasn't anything around here. So I went and I ordered a Big Mac, and I I, I gave my order. And the first thing the lady said to me was not that, do you want fries with that? The first thing she said to me is, boy, where are you from? I don't even know people in the South talk different than people from New York City. I deserve a better amen than that. Peter, your speech betrays you. You sound different in your speech than the others. I think you're a disciple of Jesus. And that denial, it says he cursed. How many of you know good Christians shouldn't be cursing? i just leave you with that thought. He cursed and said, I blankety blank don't know the man because he didn't want to be identified with Jesus but at that third betrayal Jesus is being abused he's being beaten he's being humiliated he's being spit on they're pulling the beard from his face when he denied Jesus the third time the Bible says this Jesus turned and looked across the courtyard and his eyes met Peter when he denied him the third time and the rooster crowed can you imagine how Peter felt I told him I'd never do that and here I am denying him can I ask you a question have you ever doubted something about God I'm going to hold my hand up have you ever doubted something about God God, what are you doing? Why did this happen? I don't understand this. I'm doubting what's going on here. Have you ever told the Lord you would not ever do something, but yet you did it? Even after you were saved? I have. Uh-oh, Lord, I would never do that, or I won't do that again, and then something happens, I do that again. Listen, you know what we're doing? We're looking into Thomas' life. We're looking into Peter's life. But, but here's the thing. After the resurrection, this began to dramatically change. After the resurrection, we we see a different Thomas, my Lord and my God. After the resurrection and after the day of Pentecost when Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, he stands up in front of the whole city, not just a couple of girls and some guy. In a courtyard, he stands up in front of the whole city. And he says, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days," saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And he preaches a whole sermon to a city. Matter of fact, 3,000 people got saved. It's the same Peter in the next chapter that comes up on a lame man that says, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he throws the city upside down. It's the same same Peter who's seen the resurrected Jesus in chapter 4. He says, neither is there salvation in any other but the name of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, Peter has been changed. Thomas has been changed. And we've been changed. And I'll tell you why we've been changed. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, these guys who fled the deserters, they all came back, and now they're willing to die for him. This doubting Thomas says, I'm a believer now because I see. Now, Peter, how many of you think that when he denied the Lord, he really, he really felt bad? Matter of fact, I think he felt so bad, I, I don't know if he even thought that he could even be redeemed. Maybe you're here today and said, Pastor Mike, I've messed up so much, I don't even know if I can be redeemed. Well, let me tell you the rest of the story. That'd be okay? It seems like that uh, Peter wanted to go back to his old life. He says, guys, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to go fishing. How many of you know what he was before? He was a fisherman. So he goes fishing. And then while he's out fishing, there's a voice that echoes across the water. Children! Have you caught anything? No, we've been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything. Hey, throw your nets out on the other side of the boat. They begin to catch fish. They look at each other. You know what they're thinking? I think that's Jesus on the shore. Peter is so impressed, he, he bails off right then. He doesn't even wait till the boat gets back. He, 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 he dives off and he swims to shore. And there, in this brief moment before the rest of them get in, Jesus already has breakfast made. They're out fishing. Jesus already got it made. How many of you know he's already got things prepared for you? And Peter comes up wet, dripping. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, I love you. And he says, if you love me, feed my lambs. And then he said, Peter... Do you love me? He says, Lord, I love you. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. And and he asked him the third time. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Do you know he asked Peter if he loved him the same amount of times that he denied him? Let me tell you what I think is happening in Peter's mind, heart, and life. I think he's saying, am I going to be all right? Is he going to be able to use me after i failed miserably? You see, I think that Judas could have been salvaged if he repented. You see, Judas had remorse and he was sorry for what he did, but I don't ever read where he actually repented. I think Thomas was probably sorry that he denied and was scattered and doubted But yet he kneeled at the feet of Jesus and said, you're my Lord and my God. And then I think Peter is questioning, is there a place for me in this kingdom after I've messed up horribly? But after the resurrection, Jesus came to him. He says, Peter, do you love me? My friends, God loves you so much that you will never ever know how much he loves you. And sometimes we doubt and sometimes we fail, but the resurrection makes the difference. You see, Christmas gave us the promise of salvation. Easter gives us the proof of salvation. I can do what I said I would do. You destroy this temple, in three days I'll raise it up. You bury me and I won't stay buried. You mess up and I'll forgive you. Goodness gracious, I'm looking at a whole sanctuary of mess ups. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know, I think he's right. Matter of fact, there are people on this platform that's messed up. <laughs> Must be me. But the hope is that even though we've gone through those things and we really had our issues, the resurrection of Jesus proves to you and I what I did at the cross When I said it's finished, I validate it by the resurrection because, because if I can't defeat death, then you're still dead in your sins. But because I defeated death, hell, and the grave... Your sins can no longer hold you. Death can no longer hold you. Death can no longer hold your loved ones that are dead in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, friends, the older I get, the more people I want to see on the other side. And maybe you're young here and you say, well, I don't have that many people over there, but if the Lord tarries, I'm going to assure you, you're going to have more people on the other side that you're going to want to see. You're going to want to see Jesus, I know, but you're going to see a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or a friend or a grandparent or a husband or a wife, and it's only possible because he rose from the dead. And without that, we have no hope. But we do have hope. Paul said, "If we have hope in this life only, we're miserable people." But let me tell you, when I stood and sang with you today, when Wendy and Waylon and the praise team and the singers and musicians and the media people started, it kind of got me excited. I don't know about you. You may be a stick in the mud, but I'm not going to be one. I kind of got excited because I begin to think about the resurrection and I get teary eyed about it because I got people I won't see I, I, I have hope and maybe today you say Pastor Mike man I, I didn't get a good prognosis I, I didn't get a good word or, or, or I've got issues And let me tell you something one day Jesus is going to make all this right He's going to make this right. The last of Revelation, second of the last chapter says, Behold, I make all things new. And my friends, the reason we know it's going to happen is because he rose from the dead. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bow your head with me.